We'll start the show in just a minute, but first, a word from our premier brand sponsor, Casago. Casago's founder, Steve Schwab, has been quoted as saying, you can only be a local in one place. This simple yet profound statement is the basis of Casago's franchise model, which allows locally owned vacation rental management companies the ability to compete at a national level by leveraging the system, software, and support, the buying power of a much larger organization. As a Casago franchisee, you have the freedom to run your business with the support of a community of like-minded professionals while leveraging the economies of scale and buying power to increase profitability and reduce operating costs. Visit casago.com forward slash franchise for more information. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Huesner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guests' big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are joined today with Marcus from Hosts Away. Marcus, it is so good to see you again. Likewise. Thank you for having me on again. I think we've missed you. We were joking off camera about how last time we had you on, you gave us these like really great pearls of wisdom and little nuggets that at the time at we it was really enlightening. But then as the Alex and I got digging deeper into it and the meaning and lining it up with what was going on in our lives, I, I joked with you, you became like a Nostradamus. You were like foretelling the direction that we were headed and opened our eyes to see the signs and know that we were planting seeds along the way that were going to sprout into really great opportunities. So. Thank you for showing us that. But in the meantime, why don't you reintroduce yourself to our listeners? Some of them may not know you. I feel that can't be very many people, but introduce us and catch us up to where you are today from the last time we spoke. First of all, thank you very much for the for the compliment. If you like that chat, you should join our internal calls here at Hostaway where someone asked me what's going to happen in the industry. And of course, I have all the information because I'm sitting <laughs> on a crystal ball. And <laughs> but yeah, those of you who don't know me, my name is Marcus from Hostaway. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hostaway, a PMS and channel manager, or as it's known these days, a vacation rental software. We work with thousands of property managers around the world and basically the software does, it's an all-in-one solution. So it does pretty much everything you need it to do from marketing to communication, automation, smart home payments, accounting, and so on, and build a website, pretty much anything you can imagine. If you want the owner portal on a mobile app for your property owners, yeah, we got that too. And we have, we, we are one of the youngest players in this, in this industry. We're only seven years old. Actually, we're going to turn eight soon. So I need to oh, change wow. my pitch. Uh, <laughs> But compare that to a lot of the well-known solutions that have been around for 20 years or 15 years, we're certainly young, but despite that, we have grown quite a lot. Just four months ago, we announced uh, the biggest funding round ever for vacation rental technology of 175 million. Incredible. I remember when, when you announced that you did an incredible launch from a marketing perspective of the video that shows you going through the desert and yeah. you know, it really shows the highs and the lows of everything that you, that you went through. 
But it's just, it's been so much fun to watch the journey of the company. And I think seven years, that is, you're still, you're a young company, but the growth that you've seen in that time is just astronomical. And really in the last couple of years, it's just skyrocketed. We're excited to continue to watch that. But how have you seen things change? I guess I I would ask in the last couple of years, because obviously post-COVID, Airbnb, a lot has really intensified the development of a lot of these tools. The competition has gotten pretty fierce, but what have you seen as the major change in the last couple of years as, as far as the industry goes and how has that affected HostAway? The industry has been super interesting and I'm actually surprised over how much change is going on. First of all, if we speak of the industry as a whole, there's been a major shift from a demand to supply. So yeah. in the, before 2021, Everyone was talking about how to generate bookings, how to drive Mm -hmm. revenue, how to optimize growth. And basically what the only thing the industry is talking about now is how do we get supply? How do I get Mm -hmm. more properties to manage the OTAs? They're doing everything they can because they know what people are clicking. They know what they're searching for. They know what's in demand, but they just don't have the supply. And, And that's been a very interesting shift. And it also means that there, there's a lot more collaboration within the industry because these tools that we are building, they're being used by a larger population of hosts and property managers than before. And the OTAs, Airbnb, Verbal, and Booking.com, they have found in us a great way to get that inventory that they need to run their business. And what it means is actually that when property managers have challenges or problems, they talk to us about it. And we then have the power of authority to go to the OTAs. And actually, not only that, they ask us, hey, what are the main challenges your customers are facing? And then we can come as a voice of authority because it's really difficult if, let's say, Airbnb has 15 million homes and you're managing, let's say, 100 of them. If you have an opinion, that's really, it's going to be really hard for Airbnb okay. if I, any of, regardless of what the opinion is, it's still 100 yeah. homes out of 15 million. But if yeah. we have a large market share and Airbnb comes to us to ask and asks, hey, what's up? Then our voice or the voices of our customers are heard a lot better. Yeah. So much, much larger the, voice. The, the voice of the managers, so you have it collectively... How do you guys prioritize? Because I think a lot of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of your management groups, they're not a lot of large management groups. They're a little, they're smaller. They tend to be smaller. But prioritizing the needs of those managers when you're looking at your development roadmap, mm-hmm. like how are you doing that? Because there are so many changes. And I think one of the things that we're seeing is that a lot of the technology providers are becoming an all-in-one solution. So the channel management is not a standalone piece anymore. A lot of these softwares for housekeeping, maintenance, accounting, they're really being bundled into one system. But you've got a very broad a broad customer base. How do you prioritize what pieces that you're going to add on, build on, iterate on? Yeah, it's we have from the beginning always thought that we it has to be an all-in-one solution because there's too many moving pieces. If you think about the value chain, the money comes from a guest who makes a booking and eventually it goes into the pocket of whoever owns the real estate. But right. there's two companies in between. There's, there's a lot of, there's OTAs, but actually the OTA doesn't even get access to that guest. They have to pay someone like Google or maybe a TV mm-hmm. channel 
to yep. do advertising. So there's a whole ton of companies in between. When we started looking at this market seven years ago, we found out that there's way too many companies in between. Yeah. Basically, yeah. the amount of money the guest pays and the return on the real estate investment the investor gets, there's just too many companies in between. And that's that creates inefficiencies. A bit like Amazon has a broad selection and good prices because they essentially remove 15 layers of logistics, of wholesalers, and so on. And now any manufacturer can go and sell directly to the consumer with only one middleman. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that we're going to be that middleman, but this is why the industry is, is focusing on all-in-one solutions, because it is inefficient. Whenever you have multiple yep. systems talking to each other, there's going to be mistakes. And that's why we, we built an all-in-one uh, one solution to begin with. Yeah, we talk about that quite a bit, that our industry, it's unique, but at the same time, any kind of industry that is a tech-enabled industry, and that's essentially everything these days, had to have gone through this metamorphosis at some point because tech was built for any type of business uh, very differently than it was back in the day. And there's a lot of bolt-ons and add-ons. And now it's almost like this is like a leveling out of the playing field of that mulligan mindset of if you could do it over again, this is how we want to do it. And I think that's the advantage that you guys have of coming in only seven years ago versus coming in 25 years ago where yeah. you still have to keep doing some things because to rework it is a complete re rework of the entire system. But would you say that the, the clients that you guys are bringing on now, are they, is that a core focus of why they're choosing Hostaway because they feel like they have too many parts of their tech stack or they, there's just too many things in between? It's, it's still a very fragmented place. And um, I actually wanted to, uh, just explain a bit more about the prioritization. Basically, the needs of a property manager are very different compared to another property manager. It can be based on location or size, business model. There's many factors that go in, but the actual challenges the business is facing, those are the same. And, and mm -hmm. there's the same challenges that any business is facing. How do I how do I grow my business? How do I manage my staff? How do I increase my sales? How do I increase my profitability? And these are the same challenges for all the businesses. It's just a question of how much do you prioritize each? For example, someone who's working alone, one person doesn't have a problem managing their staff to someone who has a hundred yeah. employed full time. And that's why we don't really have the luxury of prioritizing. We need to bring solutions to all these groups because we have clients that are small, mid-sized and large, and their, uh, ge their geography is very uh, diverse. Just yeah. to give an example, we're one of the market leaders in, in Australia. So our solution has to work well in Australia, but we also have a massive sales team in UK. And of course, mm -hmm. US is our biggest market where we have have a majority of our customers and our staff, um, but still we, we have to serve every, every segment of the market. Yeah. And what will happen next is unfortunately the boring part where things become commoditized. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what this means is that software like ours that was pretty exciting five years ago, maybe it's exciting today, but at some point it won't be exciting anymore. It yeah. will be like books. QuickBooks really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, today, yeah. nobody would associate the word exciting with quick. Right. That's such and, a good point. Um, and, and I'm trying to answer here your question about why, why do property managers choose us? I think when solutions become commoditized, like, like cars, it took them 50 years 
before yeah. they all agreed. Today, all the cars have, have seatbelts or they have four wheels. But before people agreed that, it took 50 years. And we're reaching that stage now where this type of software becomes commoditized. What usually happens in an industry, once it happens, is that consumers choose simply based on what's convenient, what's, what other people are doing. Imagine it this way. Some of your friends drink Coke, others drink Pepsi. Why is that? Mm-hmm. It's because it's convenient. It's right there. It's what others are doing. But there was a stage, maybe a hundred years ago, when people had entirely different reasons for choosing Coke. Maybe because it was yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I think you're spot on that tech is no longer an advantage. And in some markets that I go to, you can see the companies that have adopted more modern technology. They still have that advantage over the ones that haven't yet. But there's only so long that's going to last for. And especially with as many new property managers and vacational companies that are coming up through the ranks that all they've ever known is this more modern technology. But I think at the end of the day, one of the complaints that we hear the most of any software is that people really have a hard time with the support, with any tech that they use, that the support is not there for them. And it becomes the biggest pain point in the business. And I think companies that really truly focus on the support, that is what is going to be the difference, I believe, in what technology is going to be the non-commoditized or stay as like the cool and relevant one that you want to choose. And what that comes down to is the people. People do business with people they know and trust. And if you're going to support them, and sometimes support isn't that you can fix everything right away for somebody, but it's hearing them out. It's getting quick responses back to them, not making them feel like they are just giving opinions and they're never going to be implemented because there's a lot of great ideas in our industry. People want their ideas heard. But I think it's the companies that are going to win are the ones that really focus on the support and the people and letting that be the brand of why they're different. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think personally, actually just about 70 minutes ago, I spent an hour uh, interviewing one of our support staff members quit their job. I wanted to find out what went wrong. And I think support is one of the most important aspects of, I think, any business. And support mm-hmm. isn't just answering a, a question. It's about how you design the product. It's about how it's built into the to the marketing and the sales process. But I take support personally. There are people out there who have had a bad experience with Hostaway, and they go out and say the support was terrible. And then I look at the numbers and every day there's thousands of people who are getting really good support. But I don't know. I have OCD. I <laughs> takes care one, about though. those thousands there, of yeah, people. Yeah. I hear about the one who <laughs> thinks they had bad support. And I feel it personally when yeah. someone has a bad experience. Because I had a lot of bad experiences with companies. And usually talking about it is a way of moving forward. But what yeah. a lot of companies are missing is that way to have a dialogue. And uh, I'll give an example. I have been a loyal fan of American Express since 2011. So that's 12 years. But they made a mistake. Let's say like that. And I called them and I said, look, you've been my friend for 12 years. And what happens now? And they apologized and they sent me, okay, it wasn't a letter, but they sent an email where we say, we recognize that we, we did this wrong. And we're sorry, and we hope we can be friends again. And yeah. it made me feel really good. Yeah, yeah. 
I know it's, it's, it must be a bit strange to hear. No, I think no, that, no, yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you hit on you hit on the thing about our business though is that it's like we are all in this because we have an emotional attachment to some aspect of the industry. Like I hope, travel is by nature, I think it's a very inherently emotional pe- business, whether they, it's not like banking, it's not cold and it's not right. just, <laughs> it's experiences yeah. and it's people's memories. But I think it's incredible that you would reach out to an employee that left as the CEO of the company that speaks a lot to your character and kind of the culture that you've developed. And one of the things that I think is we've been talking a lot about in the industry, a couple of things, but about the culture that is built in organizations. How do you maintain a culture when you're like across continents? You're working on multiple continents. You're working with varied types of cultures within each continent. How do you as a leader try to navigate and bring those together, but allow each one of them to operate within the cultures that exist in their space? That's... uh... A really good question. Yeah, indeed, we, I think we got people who are in 28 or 29 countries. So we don't have employees in every single country yet, but we're working on it. (laughs) We do have customers in most of the countries though. It's, I, I think each company has a unique culture and the more, so just to put things in perspective, we are extremely, the investors call it capital efficient. What that actually means is that we have the right people working with us rather than having a mix of the right and wrong people in our staff. That's what a lot of companies end up with. Some people who are right and some people who are not right. Yeah. And what that means is we have the right people, which allows us to do more with less. And and so we are, let's say we have competitors that have 200, 300, 600 staff, and we're doing more with 150. Yeah, yeah. But that is because we put an an incredible amount of time in making sure that this culture, that we hire the right people for the culture and that we maintain it. For example, I, as the CEO, I have quite a busy schedule because there's a lot of moving parts all the time. But even then, I talk to every new staff member. Sometimes it takes them three months to get 15 minutes (laughs) into my calendar. But I want to talk to everyone. Same thing with everyone who leaves us. I see that as a failure. I, either we recruited wrong or they chose the wrong company or we, someone did a mistake. And I need to find out what it is. But a lot of the people that start working with us, they say, wow, I have never spoken to a CEO before. And it just makes me wonder, what are these other CEOs doing then? Because right. the only value in a company is created by the people. Unless maybe you're relying on a patent or if you get royalties from an album that someone wrote. (laughs) But most companies, they have to proactively produce something of value in order to get money for it. And it's the people that are doing it. If a CEO is talking to every single employee, then what are they doing? I get it. If you have, let's say, 100 new employees starting every day, then it's impossible. But if you're only hiring, let's say, 300 people a year, then you should be able to talk to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you determine who is in the right seat? And how do you determine when they're not in the right seat? Do you guys do culture index or predictive index or any of the personality type assessments? That sounds like something HR would do, which is why we <laughs> you don't have an HR department. <laughs> and, uh, at least, well, not yet. 
I think the seat changes with time. We've had people who've been with us a long time who have grown into a new role. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. If you start as a lone warrior, let's say, or the only one doing sales or the only one doing support or designing the product, eventually you're going to need to manage the team of, let's say, 20 or 50 or 100 people. But what if you don't want to manage 100 people? In that case, some companies let them move on, tell them kindly, hey, your time is up. Now mm -hmm. go find a better job. Um, but in nicer words, and we're trying to reposition them because those are the people who have got us to where we are today. And that has been so far very successful. We have been able to, we, we do a trifecta model where we want a people to do what they enjoy doing, but it, they also have to be good at it. And then it has to bring value to the company. And I think a perfect example here is you, you said that one of your favorite recordings last year was with me. Yes. It's something <laughs> that I enjoy doing, but I, I take your review as, as a confirmation that you also think I'm pretty good at it. But then it also brings value to the company. So that's why I spend a lot of time in podcasts and interviews, because it's that trifecta of, of what you enjoy and, and what you're good at and what brings value to the company. That being said, there's a lot of boring things that you need to make sure take place. When a guest arrives at your property, you're going to make sure there's a, the proper number. There's an optimal number of toilet paper rolls, and it's mm. always higher than zero. But <laughs> you need to make sure that there is more than zero toilet paper rolls in the property. And that's something that's small, very boring detail, but it has to be done. So first, you can't every day just do what you enjoy and what you're good at. You also have to make sure that those boring things get done. And I think that's how you find good staff. It's people who know what they enjoy. They also know what needs to be done and they can find a balance like that. Because there's no manager in the world that's going to tell you what your balance is. You need to find that within yourself. Ooh, that was, that was very good. deep. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it, everybody. <laughs> that's such great advice. And yeah. I think at the end of the day, you there's three things that you have to be in a role in a, in a position that you are happy and you have to believe in the mission you have to like the people that you work with and you have to enjoy what you're doing that's but i like what your take on that too that not only do you enjoy it but you have to enjoy it to be good at it it has to have value there i think combining all of that's that forms an employee that will stay with you that will become an advocate for your company for the team look out for the new people coming up underneath them and that's really what culture is based on is those core values and how they align. And it, it makes sense. I and mean, you're obviously the leader that your team needs to be able to see those things. And I think doing the exit interviews is really interesting too. I don't think you hear much about that in, in our space and I think larger companies maybe, but in other industries, but that's an important one for our space too. I think that's great that you do that. Marcus, this, it's been a pretty crazy year. So I think everybody came off the high of last year and the last two years out post-COVID. Really great stuff. Everybody was excited. And I think this year, to some degree, shocked a few people about where the numbers ended up, where the industry was going. I don't think it's slowing. I think that it's, it's just getting back to like normal. I would say whatever normal it could be defined at this point. What are you seeing from your position being, again, a global provider? You're engaged in, in you said, 25 plus markets. Um, what are you seeing in terms of technology and in terms of the direction of vacation and short-term rentals? 
Yeah, uh, there's certainly a lot more noise than there is actual action. There's, to be really honest, there's not much going on. And I'd be very surprised if any company announces funding like us this year and early next year. At the same time, there's things are quiet and, and I think they're quiet in a good way, meaning a lot of property managers, they're getting bookings. They're not setting records. Not everyone. Some are, but they're also not empty. They're also not losing properties and it's a bit like the real estate market right now, where a lot of people are sitting on low interest mortgages and they don't want to sell the property, but then that means that nothing is happening. You're not going to buy a new house if your mortgage rate goes up because of it, because you can't afford that. So it's, we're basically sitting and, and waiting as an industry. And that's both on the tech side and on the vacation rental side. And that's actually a really good thing because what we need now is for the demand to stabilize. What we will find out in 2024 is where the consumers are going to settle. So during COVID, there was a, a short dump of demand. Basically, nobody traveled because everything was canceled. But then there was a massive spike in first, let's call it cottages or rural areas. People suddenly wanted to rent a house in the middle of nowhere, if it, in, in the middle of the forest for no reason. And the demand for that skyrocketed. What we've seen this year is that people are now bored of the, the cottage. They want to go to Europe. They want to go to Japan. And everyone's doing that. So the demand for plane tickets has skyrocketed. Now, when it comes to longer term consumer trends, what these type of spikes usually mean is that there's a percentage of the consumers that will change their behavior forever. So for example, let's say someone who has, I'll use Coke as an example, someone who's never tried Coke before. If there's a big thing where everyone tries Coke, someone will try it for the first time and they continue drinking Coke for the rest of their lives. It's the same thing here. Someone who has never been to Europe, went to Europe first time this year, maybe they go every second year, their entire lives from now on. What we will see in 2024 and why the numbers will be so interesting is we will see Okay, how much does the cottage go down? How much does the city tourism go up? And what will be the new normal? And if I were to take a bet, I think that the hotel industry is a lot more worried about that than the the vacation rental industry should be. Yeah, Hmm. I I agree with that. I I mean, I think it's definitely, this was a a normalizing year and I think next year is going to continue to get more back to normal of what we remembered pre-COVID. But I think it's going to get a lot more competitive for trying to procure bookings, really focusing on a direct booking strategy is going to be important for companies going into next year. Obviously, Airbnb and BRBO, the demand that these channels generate is massive. But when there's less demand from the guest side, you're just, you're all competing and there's so much more supply in those channels. But I'm curious what Hostaway is doing to help your partners or assist them in direct bookings. Is that something that you focus on? Absolutely. We have an entire customer success team that we, we launched this year who help our customers specifically with that. They help with other things too. For example, setting up their accounting or helping them with just general advice. Sometimes you yeah. need an outside consultant to have a look at what you're doing and see if you're doing everything right. So we're now on a third edition of our booking engine that can be either 
be a standalone website or integrated into your existing website. And what we also did, we were one of the first companies in the space to integrate Google Travel. And we see a lot of bookings coming from there. I know that there's probably someone out there who has tried it and you either got a lot of bookings or you got zero bookings. But I, yeah, those are a couple of the initiatives that we've done just this year. I think Google travel is going to be great because Google doesn't go into a space to lose. They have (laughs) lost a couple of battles, but they picked up 20, they lost one. So they have a fairly good chance of doing it. Think about Yelp and restaurant reviews. Where are they today? People look on Google Maps. It's that simple. (laughs) So on that, I wanted to ask you, because one of the two recent announcements in the last couple of months had been hinted for a really long time, but American Express and then Hyatt. What is your take on those two entering in? And do you think there's going to be more of the credit card type companies and more of the hotel style companies coming in? Yeah, this is a very interesting trend. Actually, I'll tell you an anecdote. My So I speak Swedish with my daughter, even though we live in Toronto. And we went to uh, this, there's an international organization called the Swedish School. So every Saturday I can take her and play with other children. and They can speak Swedish and learn Swedish. And I met someone who was a travel agent. So I asked her, what do you actually do for a living? And she said, she helps people organize their trips. So I asked her, does that include vacation rentals? And she says, yeah, a lot of customers would prefer to have their own house with a pool rather than staying in a resort, but there's no kickback to her. So she benefits from arranging yeah. the trip. Yep. That's yep. true. The same thing with airline and credit card loyalty programs. You can, you can get a credit card and then you can go on a bunch of flights and then you can use those points to book a resort, but you can't do it with a vacation rental. And I'm actually quite surprised how the point systems out there, like Marriott or Hyatt, how they caught on vacation rentals before travel agencies did. <laughs> because travel agencies still exist. There's yeah. a lot of value. Oh, yeah. yeah. And especially if we're talking about the luxury segment, a lot of people who travel, they don't want to spend any time figuring out which flights to take and which place to stay at. Yeah. They are more than happy to pay someone to do that. Sure. But within that business model is... That's great for resorts and hotels. I'm very excited about those two initiatives, and I think we'll see more of that. And it also proves the point that the the shift in consumer behavior that I mentioned earlier, that some people in the last three years tried a vacation rental for the first time in their lives, and they're going to continue doing it. That supports that argument, because otherwise, American Express wouldn't enter that market. But what it actually means for the vacation rental industry I don't think it will have much impact because it's still the same value as before. It doesn't really offer someone who doesn't want to rent their own house for a vacation is not going to do it just because you can do it to higher. So it, it's not, it's more adopting to the, to the new reality of the space and the new economic yeah. terms that are there. It's not going to shape it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I not creating it, more demand. It's just shifting where yeah. it actually comes from, essentially. Yeah, but it, it also speaks to loyalty programs and the ones mm-hmm. that are 
focused on their loyalty members and doing a good job communicating to loyalty members and understanding their what their loyalty members are looking for and adapting to that. That's where I think it makes sense. You look at homes and villas with the Bonvoy membership. That's a big that's a big component of their success. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see where we are 18, 24 months from now with these new entrants to the space. But I think the what I have always been super excited about is that the more people that want to get in, it just validates everything that all of us that have been in the business for a long time have been doing and fighting for, Alex. Like we, yeah. <laughs> we always joke about it. It's, it is validation that all the stuff and like the blood, sweat and tears that we put in as property managers or yeah. talking about the industry, people finally have heard us and they're adapting and wanting to be where the cool kids are. It, it is interesting, though. And I think that's this is something that is probably not talked about enough. Loyalty and then also the travel agent side of things. Those are two big topics that you don't really, you don't hear companies talk about that a lot. And I think, I, I know in my previous role at Condo World, we went down a pretty significant uh, process of trying to figure out how to do a true loyalty program across multiple destinations with multiple partners with different levels of where you're making some areas are much more profitable than others. And it's really figuring out like a matrix of how that makes sense back to the business. And it can be quite complicated, but whoever can figure it out is going to win pretty big in it. And I think obviously Marriott is, has done that in a, in a little bit of a different way because they already had that and now they added on the inventory. But I think there's a bigger play that it's almost surprising that Airbnb hasn't taken it on. They've got their own they definitely have their own brand loyalists that are going to go back to them no matter what. But I think there's definitely an opportunity for somebody within the property management space or a technology provider to develop something that is a true loyalty program that really gets, get, gets guests to come back. I mean, that's, you know, there's a lot of companies that I talk to that they're still 95% OTA business. And that's just crazy. Those guests are going back to that destination year after year. They're just not staying with you. And. It's not just about the discount. I think loyalty is also about all the things we've just talked about. It's about the people. It's about the support that you get from the company. It's about the feeling. It's about the exclusivity of feeling like you're part of something. And it's hard to probably bundle up. And that's why it hasn't been done really that well in our space yet. But if anybody's listening, there's a huge opportunity there. <laughs> yeah, Expedia did a fairly good job, I think, on the one key that allows them to connect air travel and car rental, yeah. application mm -hmm. rentals and, and hotels. But these loyalty programs, they're also, they're, they have a certain boom and bust cycle. So yeah. right now where the economy is doing a bit too good, according to some, and it's doing terrible according to others. But the fact is that GDP is going up and prices are going up and we have record low unemployment and record high employment. So those are, are good factors. But that's also when, when loyalty programs really work well, because everyone is going on business trips. Yeah. Then five, 10 years later, when everyone's laid off, suddenly those points don't matter. What matters is if you can afford to fly, you're going to book the cheapest flight you can. And you don't care at all about the points. People only care about points and loyalty when there's an economic upturn. They don't care anymore when they're fighting to put food on the table. That's so true. maybe that's to those who are listening. If you have an idea, I'm more than happy to hear it. <laughs> in mind that if the boom ends, then it's going to be very hard to launch that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Had not thought of it that way. <laughs> very interesting, though. Marcus, we are about to be back in conference season. So we're just right ahead of VRMA right now. And I'm curious, what are you most looking forward to 
heading into Orlando, the biggest event the vacational industry has ever had. What's on the agenda for Hostaway? It's going to be extremely exciting because the industry is completely different than it was just a year ago. And it's also going to be very exciting because it's been, I was in Orlando nine months ago, and I think it's been too long. So this time I'm bringing my family. Unfortunately, the event is in Disney World. So I get to take my five-year-old there. Let's hope it's not too hot and crowded. <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to meeting all my friends from around the world. We have people coming from Europe, from Australia, from Africa and Asia. And that's going to be really fun. VRMA International is, I think, my favorite conference of them all. Unfortunately, there were many other good conferences this year that I couldn't attend, and there will be many others. Expo RV in Cancun is also one of my favorite ones, uh, but I didn't have time to schedule. So next next year, I will be on more conferences <laughs> and schedule those in. I think, yeah, is VRMA sold out already? It would be good to know. I believe so. I know the hotel definitely is. I, I'm yeah, not sure okay. if the tickets are, but we're probably pretty close if not, but... It's we're at that point where it's tough to find a space that can accommodate that many people. Yeah. We're it used to be, I think when we were in San Antonio two years ago, Andy, that was maybe fifteen hundred at the most yeah. people, I'd say. You know, yeah. to grow by a thousand people is just it just shows how much the industry has grown in the last few years too. Yeah, I think they shared a number on our on the membership committee that there was twenty one hundred registrants as of last earlier this week, I think Wednesday. That's it's ahead of where we were this time last year. And I think they cut off about the same time, cut off in terms of registrants. But the space is a little bit bigger, I think, than the Vegas space was. So they could take a little bit more. And obviously we could take more. There's more accommodations close by that people could stay in. And a lot of houses have opened up. It is going to be exciting. And I think it's great for all of us to finally get back together. It feels like it's been forever since Vegas, but there's just a lot that's happened since then. So it'll be good to talk to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been been quite a lot of things going on in the industry. There's a lot of tech vendors there, and there's mm -hmm. been a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Some companies have stopped existing, and a lot of new AI companies as well yeah. are out there. So it will be very interesting to see how the landscape has changed. I, I remember standing in the vendor hall last year, Annie, it was you, you and I and Simon Lehman, and he said to us, Take a look around right now. Yes. And he said half of the, or I can't remember what the percentage was, but he said, there are so many people that are in this room that will not be here next be, year, yeah. companies and people. And unfortunately, that's a, it's a, that's a sad and hard truth. There have been a lot of layoffs at a lot of businesses in the last few months and news. And, but at the same time, also a lot of new people coming into this that every year I feel like you go to these events and it's, who are these people? Like it used <laughs> to be that we walk in and we know everybody, but it's just, it's grown so much, but. We are very excited to see you in person, Marcus, and your team. If anybody wants to learn more about HostAway, what should they do at VRMesh? Do they come up? Do they have a demo with your team? Or what does that experience look like? We have a booth. And we also, if you're a HostAway customer, we have a party. So you can sign up for the wait list. We'll figure out there's, there's a limit on the amount of people that can be at the same time. But we're doing it all night on Monday. Oh, <laughs> us there and and yeah, we will have a booth, and you can always reach out to me as well or to our team on hostaway.com, and you can find me on LinkedIn if you just Google for Marcus Hostaway LinkedIn. Great, awesome. awesome.
Annie and I, we will be at the show as well. I believe Casa Go's booth is 244. Annie, do you know what your booth number is? Uh, Homes and Villas is 815, I believe. We have a very large booth. I think yeah. actually have some meetings with Marcus's team at our booth. It's exciting. Yeah, we'll see very everybody nice. there. Yeah, we're excited to see everybody. And until next time, you can, if you need to get in touch with Annie and I, you can go to alexandanniepodcast.com. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you in Orlando. Mm-hmm.